Welcome to Backsliding to Glory, a progressive Christian podcast and community. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to Backsliding to Glory. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan. And we are Backsliding to Glory. Megan, good evening and hello. Good evening. Wait, uh, aren't we supposed to not use time words? Yeah, well, okay, so that's one of those rules in podcasting. There's also, I've, there's, the new rule is that you're supposed to get immediately to your content because Google right. is indexing us now or something. I don't How? know. Oh, with their like magical voice technology. Yeah, exactly. Well, so... If you've stumbled upon us because you searched for the answer to something, I'm sorry, we don't have any. <laughs> we don't know. And if it's morning, well, tough. Tough luck for you. Well, you know, the uh, the valuable <laughs> content is available to you uh, morning, noon, or night. That's uh, right. My friends. Anyway, uh, this is Backsliding <laughs> to Glory. We are a progressive Christian podcast uh, and community. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, we're Backslide to Glory. Everywhere else, Backsliding to Glory. But um, yeah, we, we try to get together once a week and talk to you about how we're trying to do this thing in and amongst the Bible Belt and uh, uh, an area that is sometimes hostile to not only our theology, but just our general sensibilities. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just our art, humanity, our us <laughs> just, as I, people. Let me live. Can I that's live? right. So, in particular, the topic for tonight, what we wanted to get to, and I think we teased this last week, but maybe not. Either way, we want to talk about when you move to a new community or or maybe you're looking for a new congregation specifically within the community that you've already been in. What are the questions that you ask? What are the signals that you look for uh, on the website and, and among the congregation in your conversations with the clergy when you begin to look at a church uh, as, um, hey, is this one where... Not only can I come and spend my Sunday mornings, but like, can I invest in the community here? Will this community invest in me? Can this be a reciprocal growing relationship, which is sort of central to, in particular, what what you've espoused, I think, so far to your understanding of Christianity, Megan, is that relational uh, connection. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really important, like, can I drop 20 bucks in the basket? You know, I I don't I'm very hesitant to actively support any church or ministry that is not actively working toward a more inclusive Christianity. And I understand if you're already in that place, um, trying to make it better. But who that is not I I don't know I if you want to go try to fix a church, good on you. That's not probably something that I would want to do in this environment or in this economy. So that that's where I that's where I want to start, and I think that's going to be like my primary contribution to this conversation, honestly. Other than a, than a question uh, sounding board for you, because I do have a bunch of questions about, um, especially when you move. Two two primary reasons why I don't think I have a lot to commit to this is because first of all, my answer to this question for a big portion of my life was just to be non churched at all. I had issues with community. I wasn't looking for one. Uh, I'll find Jesus where he is, uh, where he, mm-hmm. where he's coming to me. And that's all the Jesus that I need. Thank you very much. Uh, I love your Jesus. I dislike your Christians. They're so unlike yeah, your yeah. Jesus. You know, that was me in, in the middle. When I came back to it, it wasn't really even about a personal choice. Although I did have a desire to get into a community of other believers, 
But I was so concerned that that wasn't going to be possible because of these social justice issues that I just didn't think there was going to be anywhere for me. I was forced to look at a church because my wife, my wife wanted children in <laughs> a church, you know, she's, she was about to have twin baby girls and yeah. she wanted them to be in a church. First of all, she wanted a church community for herself. She wanted somebody to make meals and care about her and check on yeah. her once in a while, you know, and all the yeah. things that come along with being a, in a church. Here's my biggest contribution. This whole conversation is a little bit spackled. Well, any conversation that Meg and I have is obviously spackled with the privilege that we've already owned up to. Uh, the Caucasian privilege primarily for me also being a, a white male, b- both of us being, uh, you know, effectively mainline evangelical mm-hmm. Protestants of some uh, stripe or another. So all of those things we already have and not everybody has those options. The biggest thing, though, that I want to also point out is not not everybody has the option to move. And many times, if you want to worship your God and you particularly think that that's important to do in a physical place among other believers, your options may be limited in rural areas, in Mm -hmm. particular in the South. If you're living where we're living, many times it's going to be the best of some sort of sketchy options as yeah, far yeah, as yeah. your own totally. theology is concerned. So totally. that's, a, a, again, going to be sort of part of the conversation is like, where are these people going to fall on the scale of how much they align with me? Because nobody's perfect. Right. But right. I will say, also there are ties like familial, right? Like what my mom mm-hmm. and dad grew up in this church and my sure. grandparents sure. built this church, et cetera, et cetera. And sure. those sorts of things. And you just think, I can't imagine my life Otherwise, Mm -hmm. your theology and your personal worship, I think, does not have to be tied to the social club aspects of the local church. And I think in particular for people that feel like we do generally and that live in the places that we live, sometimes you have to disconnect those two. I love Bobby and Susie and Bobby and Susie mean the world to me and our kids go to school together and they do karate, et cetera. Bobby and Susie aren't real, but I love that couple. I gotcha. Bobby and Susie think I'm going to hell if we really got down Mm -hmm. to brass tacks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they're sweet to me and I'm sweet to them. And we just Mm -hmm. don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And you have to understand the levels of those relationships and companionship. And then you have to do things like what we've talked about before, Megan, and find that aspect of your of your community online, maybe even, you know, maybe it's Slate. Yeah. Maybe you spend yeah, your yeah, Thursdays yeah. at Slate Speak and that's your worship sure. Sure, in sure. some ways. Sure. So Though I think it's also, that, you know, as much as as much as we love Bobby and Susie, I think I think it, it there's a certain amount of privilege inherent in saying well, they're nice to me. You know, I think we have to remember like, well, we need to keep some of our friends safe from them still. Yeah. As nice as they are to me, they may not actually be kind to everyone who I care about. And so just be mindful of that. And if that is the case, then there may be times when you need to check Bobby and, you know, when Bobby makes an inappropriate joke or when Bobby, whatever but you know and maybe bobby doesn't get invites to your backyard barbecue if also you're inviting friends who are more vulnerable and could be hurt by something bobby says or does yes absolutely so i'm and i'm a bit of a tough ass about that so forgive me no for being no but but it's grouchy but but see that that's a, a perfect example of like 
the times when I've rubbed up against that in my life are few. Mm-hmm. I, as soon as you started talking about it, I know exactly, and I'm not along. I'm like, I actually yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I know that friend yeah. that we don't invite when yeah. we invite anybody else. Yeah. But sometimes we, yeah, we go with him and his wife, or you know, we we go out and do something with them specifically. I I do think there is. You mentioned it earlier. Maybe you're called. Maybe you feel called and led to fix that church yeah. that you're in. That's great. There's a sometimes we need a prophetic voice, but that's not for everybody either. And the church I attend ultimately is a a purple church, and there are members who I love dearly, and I look forward to seeing them, and who I think probably disagree with me, not only on theology, but on uh, matters of humanity, and God love them, but I gotta tell you, there are some friends who I wouldn't invite (laughs) to be in their presence all the time, certainly not without without a group around us, you know? Absolutely. I'm so glad, though, that there are still spaces and they are shrinking but there are still spaces in public life where that tension in relationship exists Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. of you feel very tied to the organization and feel devoted to it and yet have this personal tension in your own relationship i mean to the point of you're not you wouldn't even consider yourself friends necessarily i have have that absolutely i think there is a drastic importance in in a very misunderstood or overlooked way that the mainline church plays in American society, holding mm-hmm. us together in that way. Mm-hmm. And it is a space where we can get dirty on some of these issues. And part of the reason that I think it's so important to be a part of a, a community that does make a little bit of space for different viewpoints is that I get to express my viewpoint to people who I do not think probably follow me on Twitter or <laughs> or uh, or follow a lot of people who are my kind of voice just in general. So Megan, that's the reason why I was so strongly for the one church plan in the Methodist denomination mm-hmm. versus the mm-hmm. I've got traditionalist friends and even people who just they love Methodism, even though they don't like me and my ideas on this thing. But they ask me sometimes, why, why don't you guys want a foreign your own denomination like the WCA is trying to do or whatever? And this, that's what I tell them. I'm like, I like sitting here in the pew knowing that you love Jesus just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And you've thought about these things, and, and you're not stupid, and you don't try to be mean, and yet you've come down on this fundamentally different than, differently than I did. I like holding that tension. I like the yeah. fact that you and I sit here. I think we rub each other in a way that, it, you know, this what's the saying, iron sharpens iron? Like, I, I'm not suggesting that they're right in any way, but I am saying if we are only sitting with people who agree with us, then ideas never evolve and we will never understand how to better explain ourselves to those who disagree. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, uh, it helps me sharpen my arguments sometimes to have a few people in my circle who are going to be disagreeing with me fundamentally. It helps me sharpen my arguments for when I'm, when I'm talking to people who maybe are less educated on an issue or who less, you know, I'm, I'm ready for them. Yeah, yeah. We've gone off course, though, a bit. You know, it really mattered to me to find a church where I knew that I would be hearing theology from the pulpit that was inclusive and liberative. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I listen to my pastor, who is a, you know, really into liberation theology, really, you know, comes out of the sort of modern Presbyterian tradition of 
reformed and always reforming and reconsidering ideas. And, and I know that these other people who are sitting in church are also listening to it. And sometimes I wonder how, but then I thank God that they are because, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm right and I want to grind them down. <laughs> I'll get them eventually. <laughs> They can't sit here forever and listen to the truth, right? It's like if I sit Grandpa long enough in front of Rachel Maddow. Exactly. Of, He'll get there. He'll get there. I, speaking of, just a quick side note, I went to visit my grandfather who is in the nursing home this morning, and he's in so much better health than the last time I saw him. So I was ecstatic oh, to see that, and, and it was a great visit. But I was also flabbergasted when I walked into his room to see that. CNN was on the TV, not Ooh. Fox News. I was so excited. I was so, I was like, well, th- I mean, that's not great. I wish he was watching, it's you know, some... Andy Griffith or something, but whatever. <laughs> that's so much better Goodness. than it could be. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Oh, it's, it's amazing where our standards get to. I know, right? <laughs> I just, it's, please, is he not watching the hate TV? That's yeah, okay. Like, Good yay, deal. CNN. Oh, man. Um, so the it was interesting how much higher your bar was than my bar when mm-hmm. we when when we began to have this conversation. Like I basically just knocked a handful of churches off the list when uh-huh. when Kelly said, "Hey, I would like to go and look." And uh, the primary thing that I suggested to her was we needed to stick with one of the mainline denominations because I knew they wouldn't be preaching misogyny anyway. The pastor might be misogynistic, depending upon who you got, but he wouldn't be preaching misogyny since some of his fellow clergy would be female. And that was like, I felt like the probably the best bar we could jump over. Now, we did way better than that in the end. I have our senior and associate pastor are both female and wonderful, wonderful leaders. But that that was like the primary thing that I thought, well, you know, at least we can guarantee that. I assumed that I would never have an opportunity here, and I've done a little research, and there's not a congregation in my town anyway that is uh, openly affirming as a congregation. There are many congregations that have a body that is split and that the active part of it or the younger part of it or the part of it that's sort of like in charge of the board is, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They're affirming and they're quiet about it. (laughs) What is the language? I mean, other than just straight up asking the pastor or looking for openly LGBT plus uh, members of the congregation, you know, how do you know I mean, not every church is going to have a pride flag up, for instance. I mean, obviously, that would be a signal that you're in. Yes. But even a church that might be welcoming, they're not going to hang. I mean, that's why I think like the reconciling ministries label. It's one of the reasons why it's so popular, I think, is because it's a way to not ruffle any feathers unless you know what to look for. So that's that's one thing. And that's where to start. And before we even get there, I just want to say that um, just to go back, you were talking a bit about like just me and my Jesus. I will say that. My personal theology has evolved over the years to the point where now I sort of no longer believe that one can faithfully be involved in a relationship with Jesus without finding some sort of religious community. And that may not be corporal because that may not be possible. But I do think, uh, I think, you know, faith without works is dead. I 
kind of think faith without community is dead. And um, I, you know, I really think that the thrust of the scriptures is meant to bring us to a point where we work together for the liberation of humans. So anyway, so that's why I strongly recommend that you at least, if you can, try to find a church. If you can't, there are online communities. You can also, I mean, you can find a community of faith in finger quotes here that is not a church, certainly. That certainly exists and is totally fine. And I'm not, like, judging anyone, and I don't really believe in... (laughs) I don't believe in hell, really, so it's not like I think you're going to go to hell if you're not. I just kind of think you might be... might consider trying because it really does feel different and I feel like I personally was totally missing the point all those years that I thought I could have a personal relationship but no community relationship with God so it's okay here's the here's the language that I grew up with it it, you're not growing as a Christian if you're doing it solo it's not that you yeah you're not going to go to hell trying it on your own but you're not going to grow as a Christian you're not going to develop in your faith in a deep and abiding way you're not going to be able to exponentially impact your community on your Mm -hmm. own in the way Mm -hmm. that you can with at least a few like it, yeah. Jesus is so specific about it. Where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there yeah, am I yeah. with you always, right? There, there am I with you also. So, like one of the things that I did in that interim, actually, I had a, like a handful of friends that were also sort of like wandering mm-hmm. seeker Christians or something come over. We'd maybe mm-hmm. read a little scripture or some poetry. We'd talk a little bit about life or faith or maybe some of both, and then we would do communion together, like. Mm-hmm. Eat a little bread, drink a little wine, say the uh-huh. words, you know, and and be in that moment together. I yeah. think that's all it takes. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. However, if we're going to save the church <laughs> from the bad guys, who I do think are the bad guys, we have to participate in it. Also. Yeah. So if you can, if it is possible for you, if you have not... If you are in a position where you have not been harmed by church, if you're in a position where there is a church that might be sort of good enough near you that you can go to and work on, great. And if you're in a place where there's a church that's out there being brave and, you know, doing this relatively hard work of being loudly and proudly Christian and affirming, because those two things to me are synonymous um, in in this in this economy, then uh then do it. Support them if you can. I really think it's important. So the point of all this was to try to get to a place. We've talked for like 20 minutes now, but we're here. How do you find a church that is going to be at least open to or moving toward a more progressive, more liberation-focused view of scripture and of God? So one thing is I generally recommend starting with the main lines. There are non-denominational churches uh, that are affirming. They are rarer and they are often, well, I have to say that I don't love non-denominational worship in general because while denominations can be very bad and can foster, for example, cover-ups of systemic abuse, at their best... They are very good because they offer oversight and they offer, they keep churches from becoming these weird little, um, like, off on their own planet spheres of weirdness. (laughs) I don't have a metaphor here. But a good denomination is really, really good. 
And so my general advice, if you're just going to look for a church for the first time, is to look for one of the mainline denominations, mainline Protestant denominations, that has as a body um, affirmed or at least come closer to affirming both LGBTQ people, but also absolutely unquestionably women in the pulpit. Like that, that should be your first good grief. I mean... the Southern Baptist Church does not allow women in the pulpit. The Roman Catholic Church does not allow women in the pulpit. Um, I don't think any of the Orthodox churches do. I personally would not, at this point, join a denomination that does not allow that or is not moving toward that because I think it's not biblical and I think it's not scriptural and I think it's not. Ugh, I think it's not good. It's just not good. It's honestly the only reason why I wouldn't even consider Catholicism. We Kelly, because Kelly was, I think, uh, um, christened Catholic. Her parents were Catholic when she was a child. I know. I believe she was christened Catholic. Anyway, I we talked about it for a minute, but I told her, and I, I was like, no. And it's not about the celibacy thing. That's a big thing, and I, I wish that eventually they will change that as well. But yeah. the biggest thing for me was no female clergy. And I was just yeah, like, it's... I can't. And it's funny, My one of my pastors made the exact remark that put and it wasn't exactly in reference to this but but she said something and I was like that's it that's the line for me she said I'm not going backward mm-hmm. and I thought that's my line that like I don't have to I don't have to always be pushing forward because I know I am in this larger body but I won't ever go backward. And if you as a body decide to go backward, then I'm going elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, huh, how are you going to love Mary this much and not appreciate that a woman can preach? Just, I just, I can't, I understand that there's theology. I understand that they have a thing, but I just think it's really wrong. So, the continued veneration of of nuns too, like the the nuns yeah. are so highly prized across the the uh, religion and denomination, yeah. effectively, and yeah. yet it's never occurred preach. to them. You know, we should maybe. I mean, okay, like maybe not bishops, maybe not cardinals, like, but never even in a half measure. Anyway, it blows yeah. my mind. Yeah, still. yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Now, I totally understand if you are coming from a Catholic tradition and you're like, hey, I'm sticking around. Great, do it. I mean, somebody's got to. And I love so much of Catholic social justice teaching and, you know, the liberation theology movement came out of out of Jesuit priests um, writing about what they were seeing in the trenches. So I am not anti-Catholic by any means, but who the as a structure? Yikes. So I would not personally consider a Roman Catholic church for the first time if, if I were if I were looking as a first timer for church or as a person who is moving for a church, I would generally lean toward sort of the big ones. PCUSA, that's different than PCA. Presbyterian Church of America is a fundamentalist organization, a denomination, and they are neo-Calvinist and hashtag problematic. So PCUSA, the Episcopalian Church of America, the ELCA, that's the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Again, that their ultra-conservative counterpart is called the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. So you're looking for an ELCA, not the Missouri Synod. The Disciples of Christ, they are sort of a mixed bag. I, I think that they are Congregationalists, so different churches will be a little different. But 
in general, there is some, there are certainly progressive uh, churches in the Disciples of Christ, the uh, United Church of Christ, the UCC. They are denominationally progressive in terms of accepting LGBTQ. They're also congregationalists, though, so occasionally they'll have um, some more conservative local churches. And then it comes to the issue of the UMC. <laughs> there has, as, you, as you've heard Joel talking about, and I, I would refer you to some of our earlier podcast episodes about this, but the UMC has been kind of going through it lately, and it looks like maybe there's going to be a schism, maybe there's not going to be a schism, but it's there's definitely high drama over whether or not there will be official inclusiveness of LGBTQ plus folks. Now, when I'm in New York, which I am uh, much of the summer often, I attend a UMC there, and my beloved associate pastor there was just officially ordained, and she is an out married gay woman. So there are some conferences of the UMC that are like, okay, we're like literally not doing this with y'all. So they're just going ahead and doing it. I think some of them are kind of hoping to cause more drama so that it can go back to the floor and get debated more thoroughly. But anyway, so check with your local UMC. Odds are good that if you're in a in a larger town, there will be at least one UMC that is more progressive. Often there will be like three in a town and like one's ultra progressive, one's ultra conservative, and one's big and in the middle. Uh, yep. That's, <laughs> that, that's yes. what our, our situation is here. Give them a try. You know, you might you might be happily surprised. I also recommend having a look at your local um, historically black Protestant denominations, particularly the AME Zion and the CME churches. Um, I personally, as a white person, feel like I have always felt extremely welcomed when I've attended black churches. But it also feels to me like in the South, black folks don't have a lot of safe spaces where there aren't white folks watching them. And it feels to me like I'm invading one of those very rare safe spaces. So um, I decided not to to join a black United Methodist church, actually, which I liked very much, um, and instead push for ecumenical stuff between my mostly white PCUSA church and, and them. So you will find that in most of those mainline denominations and in most churches, most congregations will be mostly white. And a lot of it is for that reason. I think a lot of black folks want to worship amongst themselves and have some safe space and have some traditions that are not sullied by white people complaining that there's too much clapping or whatever white people complain about everything. <laughs> we complain about everything. So just kind of be aware of that. But also take note of when you go and look at the church's website, Take note and see if they have made any statements on racial reconciliation. You can see that on a denominational level. The UMC definitely makes statements. PCUSA does. ELCA does. The Episcopal Church does. I think Disciples of Christ and UCC all do. The Unitarian Universalists, I didn't mention them earlier. They're not explicitly a Christian congregation. There are also Quakers, which is a little different. Um, and really interesting and worth checking out if you have a Quaker meeting in your area. If you're in the Deep South, you probably don't. But if you're in North Carolina, you do. Um, there are also Mennonites. There are progressive modern Mennonites. And really? if you want to look into... Yeah. I didn't yeah, know that, actually. There totally are. Me. It's a thing. There's a, a really good progressive Mennonite minister on 
Twitter named, oh, I want to, let me see if I can pull up her. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So it's Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, Flow Bix is her at. So at Melissa, F-L-O-B-I-X. And her name is Melissa Florer Bixler. And she is a progressive Mennonite pastor um, who's really fun and really interesting and has really interesting history of Anabaptists and all their stuff and how she really believes that they are the most progressive and like in theology and how there's so much in the in the Anabaptist tradition that serves a sort of left-leaning modern Christianity and it's she's a really fun follow and that's in the show notes now that's good yay um also if you are a believer in adult baptism and there is not a progressive Mennonite church near you, which there probably isn't because there aren't that many of them. Consider looking at American Baptists versus Southern Baptists. The American Baptist Convention is the Jimmy Carter Baptist, the Martin Luther King Jr. Baptist, the sort of the American Baptists, I think, are the most diverse of the I don't really know if we call Baptist mainlines even American Baptists. We probably do. But of the of the sort of modern Protestant traditions, I think that they have both black and white members in many churches. And a lot of progressive ministers come out of there. And so does Jimmy Carter. So how bad could it be? I was going to say any, I mean, anything that Jimmy like, Carter has been endorsing for test. 70 years, 80 <laughs> exactly. years now, whatever. Like he's been there every Sunday morning. It's fine. It's fine. The American <laughs> Baptist, I believe, split off from the Southern Baptist Convention over ordination of women in the whenever 60s and 70s and possibly actually actually i might have that wrong they may have split off over segregation anyway they split off over something that really mattered and was worth splitting over so i don't want to badmouth anybody but the southern baptists have some problems y'all for real well and and continued pro oh lord have mercy I, i don't even want to get into it but as an example richard land uh, who is their former leader. He's not their current president, but I think he was their former president. He had some particularly fantastic remarks about politics uh, and and God uh, that I saw this morning. I was like, boy, it's they, just not getting any better over there, is it? Yeah, and they have, look, here's the reality. Churches that have patriarchal structures where men are in charge and they do not have women in charge also have abuse scandals. It is a one-to-one correlation, every single one of them, that's how it goes. If there are not women in a power structure, I'm sorry, guys. You you can't be trusted. Uh, look, sorry. having women in a in the power structure of your organization doesn't make it perfect. Doesn't make it no. 100%. Boy, does it uh, not. But, nope. But it cl- it is clear that men alone in a group cannot be trusted. Like we've nope. We got <laughs> look. We got roughly six thousand years of recorded history that proves it. <laughs> exactly. And you have, as I say to my son, lost your privilege. (laughs) You have lost your privileges. You can't be left alone anymore. I'm sorry. You cannot be trusted. Lost privileges. Would that you actually had lost some of your privilege, but alas, tis not so. Anyway, back to looking at church. So look at the website first, right? So that's your, so start with pull up those big mainline protestant congregations go ahead and look at the main congregational website they all have something that's like what we believe and if it seems to jive with you have at it though i will say that from a church attendee's standpoint odds are good that you won't really be able to tell most of them apart i mean the episcopalians are going to be a little more a little fancier 
Lutherans are often a little fancier. Methodists are a little louder. Presbyterians are a little, well, Presbyterians are often called the frozen chosen, whereas Methodists are strangely warmed. (laughs) But in general, what you're hearing from the pulpit is going to, the reality is, you know, a hundred years ago, there were major theological differences between all of these congregations but then you know world war ii happened dietrich bonhoeffer happened liberation theology came out and as much as methodists love wesley and well some presbyterians love calvin i don't know how many of us really love calvin at this point lutherans definitely love luther what you're really going to be getting from the pulpit is not going to be mad love for any given single long dead historical figure um you're gonna be getting scripture held up to modern life sort of ageless moral stuff and various bits of theology that have come out over the years over different i mean my pastor quotes everyone from dorothy day to saint ignatius to wesley and luther and calvin and bonhoeffer and you know the the neighbors and all sorts of people and i suspect most mainline ministers who have gone to seminary after probably 1970 are doing pretty much the same thing i mean that's my experience in having gone to a lot of different churches there's the differences denominationally are going to matter less to you than just finding a church specifically that you love i strongly agree the the other thing and I started to mention it earlier, but you were on such a good roll that I let you go away from the place to make a good segue. But the other thing about the websites, uh, I think you're right. And a lot of the language is going to be sort of sterile and, and samesy and, mm-hmm. and, and you're, it's going to be hard to tell who's, who's doing it right. And who's just saying the right things or some of the right things. But most congregations now will either be streaming their stuff on YouTube or Facebook or both or on the website or you could download and listen to the sermons as uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. All of those things are things that you can do without engaging anybody directly, yeah. without exposing your children to anything. That's mm-hmm. something that I'm always thinking yeah. about is like, well, like, hey, my kids just went to a VBS at a Southern Baptist church, for instance, this past week. Yikes. Do hey, not get me wrong. Well, so the <laughs> two big things that, that would talk me into it. First of all, they weren't using the Roar <laughs> curriculum Oy. that I've seen online. Uh, but also, my girls are starting kindergarten this year, and they've been mm-hmm. homeschooled the last couple of years for, for mm. pre-K. And mm-hmm. I really thought it would be nice to go to a church they don't know, to facilities mm-hmm. they don't know, with kids they don't know generally and like have a class type environment a couple of hours a day. And I think it actually was like a really good warm up. Matter of fact, so good. In fact, we're trying to maybe schedule a couple of other uh, VBSs ahead of time. But the, so anyway, you can do the podcast, you can do the sermons online, et cetera, et cetera. But the other thing that I was going to say was, especially if you have children, don't just drop them off, but like Mm -hmm. be active. It's okay to be actively involved in the church, even as a visiting guest, like even before you put your membership in, like nobody's going to tell you not to go hang out at a youth service or like go check out your kid's nursery and like, Hey, what's the curriculum like here? Talk to the Sunday school teacher, maybe, et cetera, et cetera. Ask your kids those questions too. And then if you feel, if something's uncomfortable for you or you know, okay, well here I've crossed a line, then you can either bring it up with 
the clergy, if you've developed a relationship, you're comfortable. Hey, like, is this something that's out of the normal or is that what the congregation thinks about this question? You know, um, anyway, th- so there is ways around it without diving in wholeheartedly and then being like, well, this is my church. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this terrible thing. What it is now. Yeah. Yeah. So the website, look for sermons that you can actually dig into a bit, you know, and you may find, you know, there are going to be different things that attract or, or detract you from, from liking one church over another. I mean, you might find a church that, that doesn't says everything right. That hangs the rainbow flags and the pastor is just boring. That happens. It happens all the time. And the pastor's like, you know, just not very inspirational. And you might find yourself at a more purple church where the pastor is a little more stirring and you feel like you can maybe, you know, make a difference or convince some people of some stuff. That's okay. But yeah, so a thing that you're going to want to look for, if you're really looking for all of those congregation denominations that I mentioned, all ordained women, it is worth looking to see if there are any women on staff or in positions of leadership beyond just being the Sunday school teacher. When you're looking, you, most churches list their, their staff on their website. Or if, depending on, they'll, what's your fancy word for your deacons? Diaconate? Is that it? In in the UMC? Yeah. I, the we, diacon, diaconate? Diaconate? That might be a word. Maybe I'm just yeah, yeah. not, maybe I'm too new to know that one. We I've, we call them deacons. I've heard them referred yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like a name for the, the panel. For the class? I got gotcha. you. The diaconate. I think. I think it is. Something like that. Anyway, they'll often have that group of people listed. Um, for the for the PCUSA, it's called the session. You know, different. Just look and see who's who's on committees, who's who's the music director. Just sort of, are there women? You know, are there women mixed in? For me, I mean, my church is, is uh, we get mostly progressive stuff out of the pulpit, but we have... Uh, we only have one minister. We don't have there. It's too small for multiple. Um, and the music director is a guy. So it's guy, guy on our masthead, but our session is, I think mostly women. So we do have women in leadership and I'm newly the Sunday school teacher for adults. So I don't know if I get listed on the website for that. Huzzah, that's me. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Someone thought that was a good idea. The, uh, the Christian ed committee, uh, chair kind of made me do it but i was like all right i'll do it (laughs) Um, (laughs) but okay so women in positions of leadership secondly you can look around to see if there's a statement of affirmation reconciliation those are kind of words you're going to want to look for churches that are legitimately lgbtq plus friendly meaning they not only welcome queer folks, but actually are happy to make put them in positions of leadership and aren't trying to pray the gay away. So you'll get lots of churches that are like, oh, of course we welcome LGBTQ plus people. We just, you know, pray for them to get healed. <laughs> so, no, we don't want any of that. We believe that God made us all as God made us all. And that's that. So... Statements you'll want to look for on websites. Some websites will come right out and say it. Our church website put a rainbow flag on the website and said, everybody's welcome here. Though just recently. And it was very exciting when we did. Because we have a lot of a lot of uh, um, LGBTQ plus members, but finally came right out and like said it. 
which was a big step for us. And we actually said it right after the UMC situation, which a lot of churches did. Like, I think that that got the most press of any of the real shakedowns of the last decade or so. And so a lot of people kind of came out or dove in. Well, it's it's interesting because I I think th- this whole question might be a little easier actually in uh, the aftermath of the UMC question, mm-hmm. but specifically because uh, both in our in my denomination and in the other mainline um, denominations, the local congregations I think have realized that across the country, in different regions, in different cities, even in different neighborhoods. Maybe not everybody holds to things exactly like we do, mm-hmm. even in mm-hmm. a denomination mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. nationally or internationally is affirming. Maybe maybe the local congregation's not. Well, we want to make sure that folks know we are. What I don't yeah. care what your church was like. Yeah. The one that's here, the one that we are, the one that we're meeting with on Sunday, everybody's welcome here. And I think that is an amazing benefit of it yeah Uh, whether that results in an actual schism or a a continued rebirth of this sort of mainline tension that we talked about earlier i don't know i'm hopeful you know i'm hopeful that well and here's the thing that i'm ultimately hopeful of because this is what i believe this is sort of fundamental to my understanding of the universe i i think I think the universe does bend towards justice, and mm-hmm. I think that the march of this story that is revealed through the story of Jesus and the Gospels and is continuing to be revealed through humanity, I think that is one of a new birth, a new heaven and earth. And I think that part of that is this continued I don't know when you know better, you do better, right? Mm-hmm. And we are mm-hmm. all knowing better and doing better on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Totally. And so the fact that I think there was a lot of people in the middle that that if you had asked them, they'd be like, yeah, of, yeah, of course, uh, LGBTQ plus folks can be Christian. There's nothing wrong with that. But their church didn't think that or their congregation didn't think that or their denomination didn't think that. And now they realize there's that tension. And so they're making sure personally and in groups as much as they can to let folks know I'm a safe space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this little corner mm-hmm. is a safe space. We'll mm-hmm. find safe space together, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will fight vampires for anybody who wants to come to my congregation. And if there, if a single word is said by, by the, you know, very small number, two or three of, of folks who might have more questions about whether or not that's biblical. I will be there to, you know, thump them over the head with my Bible. And that's part of why I think it's so important to, um, you know, I don't want to try to define allyship because allyship to me is defined by people to whom you are being the ally. But, but I think, you know, we talk about when you know better, you do better. Well, some people aren't going to know better until you tell them better. And somebody has to be there telling them better. And that's why I, you know, I I was a kind of quiet Christian for a long time, kind of a quiet believer and didn't want to be too, because it felt ostentatious and it felt kind of gross and it felt weird. And I have weird associations with other people who identify as Christians. And now I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. They don't get to have Jesus. No, I get to be loud and obnoxious and Jesus-y and they have to deal with it. 
because someone's got to be, you know, someone's got to be, got to be thumping the Bible for justice or else it gets taken. Yeah. So if you're like wondering, like, oh, I guess I could go to a, ch- I guess I could go to this ELCA that's pretty good, but I don't know. They're, everybody's kind of old and kind of, st- no, you go, you go and you take your Bible and you sit there with it and you sing loud and you even clap sometimes and, you know, and church when they, needs you. And church when they ask you. you a couple of years down the road, hey, would you be interested in teaching adult Sunday school? You say You're uncomfortable yeah. about that, but you say yeah. Heck yeah, I would. I'll go where I'm called. That's right. That's right. Church needs you. If you're out there and you're sitting in some, you know, you're sitting there in Birmingham or in in Shreveport or, you know, Houston or those are kind of bad examples because I think all, those all of those are probably pretty decent. Progressive well, churches. But you're like no, you're in see. Longview. You know, you're in yeah, Longview, you're in Texas, Longview. or you're, you're in, in Lafayette. Well, Lafayette's okay. Yeah, you're in Ponchatoula, Louisiana, or uh, or uh, Bastrop. Orange I think Beach, about Alabama. I think about somebody in my hometown. I'm from Bastrop, Louisiana, and and like what what? Let's say you're there for some reason with a, with a company or something. You're there for a job, or you're there you, you're there taking care of a family member or something for whatever reason. Life has you in, in these places. Yeah, or you're there because you love it and you're rebuilding except it. Except for this crappy right wingism that seems to be grasping our politics because the food is good and the weather in the winter at least is good <laughs> and there's good culture and good music and it's fun here that yes absolutely and at some point you're right we have to we have to just stand up and be counted and and yeah. that doesn't mean maybe that we win maybe you never win but you get to be part of the pile that slowly builds up and ends up forming the dam against which they can't break you know like that's the like this is a long fight and maybe we don't win it this generation but you it starts with you it starts with you and that's not just um in the church i mean that like we can't get discouraged if you're a voter in louisiana right right? as a progressive you can't say well my vote doesn't count it does and not only does your vote count your bumper sticker does too like Mm -hmm. show people Mm -hmm. there is a different way to think and a different way to be than the dominant message that they are hearing on a day-to-day basis and suddenly there will be a couple of you and then four and then five and then all of a sudden it's a gang yeah. And you know who doesn't matter? Who doesn't matter are the bad people who are trying to keep us down. But you know who matters is like the 13 year old who's gay and their dad makes gay jo- anti-gay jokes and their uncles say <laughs> and make, you know, racist jokes and their their school teachers even say things and their church leaders are saying things. But guess what? They saw that you're an adult who's there in their church or in their community somehow Who's like, I mean, cool is probably a generous word for anything that anyone I know is, but, but, but at least, at least accepting and says, Hey, I like, I like you how you are. You matter. Your being is not unholy. It's the exact opposite. Good for you. I'll be your mom. Yeah. You don't actually have to be anybody's mom, but, but I will. But you don't have to. But no, just just being there because it does make a difference. It does make a difference to to, you know, gay teenagers to know that there are people in their community who are fighting for them, even if there's only one. 
and that is especially important uh, to think about and and a, and a message for us to think about are you are we doing that on a daily basis on a weekly basis on a regular basis uh this time of year it's it is uh, it is pride month mm-hmm. and i would do you say you don't say happy pride do you i celebrate pride um, is it happy pride I guess I say happy pride. I think I've said um, happy pride in the past too, but it sounds yeah, strange it does to sound me. Weird. Particularly this year, I've we've I've I've read a lot and and thought a lot about uh, you know that that pride was started by a black trans riot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, who were a black trans woman and a Hispanic trans woman respectively and sex workers and they threw bricks at cops. And and I I've thought about that a lot this year mm-hmm. and and again in a era in my life when where I'm thinking a lot about the table flipping Jesus uh, thinking about pride for the first time really in my life in that context heavily thinking about it in that context I, I've thought about what does it mean for me? Like I sort of consider myself a pacifist at this point in life. What does it mean for me to think about agitation as central to worship? And how do I do that as someone who thinks about nonviolence now as well, and who is trying to live a more peaceful, calm existence as well? What is all, what does that stew create? And I'm like, it's Jesus. It's, it's like very plainly spelled out in the gospels. He calls himself the sword. You know, I bring the sword. Uh, he talks about ripping families apart with his message. And yet also his message was a message of love. Why? I know. Because real acceptance is hard. Real yeah. open doors yeah, yeah. and open and, and open boundaries and and universal grace, that burns houses down. <laughs> it does. And you know, there's there's a big difference between supporting a military state that oppresses people and whole groups of people and punching a Nazi in the jaw. <laughs> Those are different things. If there's a Nazi and he needs a punching, I think it's a perfectly reasonable Christian thing to punch him. And, you know, Bonhoeffer died because he came up with a plot to kill Hitler. (laughs) You know, this is, you know, this is not, we are from a tradition of radicalism and we should embrace it. And I think we can, we can embrace pacifism while also thinking that, you know, sometimes Nazis need a fist to the teeth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And I to to return slightly. Well, I don't know that I'm going to do better than it's okay to when it sometimes a Nazi needs punching. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, if you're if you're here's the other thing too. Like even in a congregation or even in a town where the most progressive pastor feels like they have to sort of lock it down and and mm-hmm. and speak in uh, undertones and symbolism. If your pastor doesn't ever punch you in the face, metaphorically speaking, with the sermon, if you don't ever go home feeling like you got your jaw knocked, mm-hmm. I think that is that is something to question about whether yeah. where you're yeah, sitting yeah. too, uh, yeah. and and that goes for all of us. But um, if your pastor is not preaching something that leaves you uncomfortable at least once in a while, <laughs> well, maybe your right. mother Teresa, I don't know. But well, if you're you know, not, you know the story, you know the the saying, right? Church, the job of church is to Comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Ooh, yes. Right? I have heard that before, but that's so, so good. It's a classic one. Now, I will say, by the way, that 
we talked about like you don't have to talk to the pastor, but you totally can, and you will you will find out very quickly. Pastors, it's their job to tell people what their church is about. Well, and they pastors, will tell you. They're they imminently, will tell you. They're imminently good at at reading yeah. the congregant as well, so that they know yeah. what yes. level of frankness yes. to bring. Yes, yes, and you know what? Let me tell you another thing. You'll find that a lot of pastors, you know, most seminaries are in cities. There, so your pastor, if they're a mainline pastor and have been to seminary, they have lived in a real city for quite a while and gotten a pretty good taste of, you know, a pretty broad range of beliefs. And odds are good, just based on stats that we've all seen, that most mainline pastors lean left at this point. So they may be like, oh, thank God, <laughs> someone to just who I could just sit in my office with the door closed and say, like, Jesus, want to flip this table and punch this Nazi. They will be so excited to have you. And I've heard stories like that over and over again from people who are like, yeah, it's just me and my pastor against everybody else, but we stay quiet about it. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I don't want to say against everyone else, but but on political issues. Um, and For you know, everyone pastors else. Pastors need support. Pastor and having somebody like in their corner when they're ready to give that tough sermon where they say, you know what? LGBTQ plus people are made in the image of God, just like every every straight one of us here. And having somebody who they know is sitting there saying, yes, um, makes well, a big and, difference for them. And and I'm with you, by the way. I don't I, I don't get to define allyship since I'm the one trying to be an ally. But to, for me, the thing that I feel like I can most easily do and and the the baseline of what i can offer is to stand in those gaps and to stand mm-hmm. in the space as you said hey you want to tell them they're not welcome in church you got to fight me first yeah yeah exactly come through yeah so anyway on that note uh if you're in a if you're in a community and you're in a congregation and and uh especially if it's a purple one like um megan and i both find ourselves mm-hmm. in Make sure that you are doing that. Make sure that you are loud and proud. Wear your, uh, you know, pride pin uh, this month, mm-hmm. for instance, when you go to church. And make sure that those members of the community in general that visit the church can find you. Even if they yeah. can't find the church very welcoming, they can find you welcoming. And yeah. then all of a sudden, yeah. uh, there's two of you. And then there can be yeah. four. And then there yeah. can be more. Where two or more are gathered and... It will grow. It really does. It's amazing. I've seen it with my own two eyes. It's you make a space and it's uh, it's an if you build it, they will come situation because so many people are looking for a community and can't find one. And someone just has to be brave and say, OK, well, let, let's do this one. <laughs> let's make it this one. So do it. Uh, Megan, we didn't get to bring it into the conversation this week, but you had some some great conversation on Twitter. I saw I'll point people to about um, liberal curriculum uh and, oh, and yeah. UBS curriculum some good yeah, stuff yeah. there maybe that'll be a topic I might have in the future. some uh, I might have some I don't know we'll see I may have some news on that at some point excellent excellent well tell <laughs> people where they can find you on Twitter to, to sort of do some homework ahead of time find me at Megan Romer at symbol m-e-g-a-n-r-o-m-e-r and I will make this offer for you I love researching churches. I think it's so fun. So if you're in a place and you're trying to figure out which of your local churches you can try, at me, tell me where it is. You can DM me also. And I will happily come up with a ranked list for you. I love this. This is like, (laughs) 
<laughs> this is like like you handing me a frisbee and I'm a golden retriever. This it's is amazing. Super exciting. I love it. So at me. I love it. And you can find me at the Rogue's Life on Twitter. That's the Rogue R O G U E S L I F E. I got uh anxious the other day or uh, the last time that we did this. I realized that you always spell yours and I never spell mine. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's yours weird. Is I way should do weirder. that. Mine's very strange, and I realize that I don't always know how to spell rogue when I think about it, which is why I don't spell it out. Like just then, I was like, "Is which where does the U go? I can't." Is someone it should someone should check the mentions for the Rouge's the life. The Rouge's just to life. See if anybody's been I adding think you about this whole that, time, I think about that all the time. Actually, I was like every now and again, I'm like, you know what? I bet somebody's all like, "What the Rouge's life? I hate you. You're the worst podcaster of all time." Well, you know what? I'm glad it's going into the black hole of Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Anyway, at the Rogues Life, you can find me there. You can find me all the time at propodcastingservices.com. That's my uh, my business site, and uh, you can find us again at backslidingtoglory.com. Uh, until next week, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan, and we are backsliding to glory. If you know someone who would enjoy backsliding to glory, please share the show with them today and send us your comments and feedback backsliding to glory at gmail.com or find us on Twitter backslide to glory.